Good evening, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Soon Sports Podcast. Got another another icon on the on the on the platform, another legend in my eyes, another legend on the platform, Mr. Robert Gardner. Uh we 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 call him Rob Gardner, but you know, that's that's what we go by. It's good to have him on the platform. Thanks for having you, sir. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. I appreciate you having me on, man. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely could could not do this without having you on. Um, for those who don't 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 know you, I know you you know had a, a long history in in the area and, and outside of the area. Can you give a brief, short introduction of yourself? Sure, man. I you know born and raised from the in the DMV, right? Um, went went to um, spent some time in uh, Steve Pleasant. Grew up in Sea Pleasant, Maryland, and, and and also in Hillcrest Heights over in Temple Hills. I went to school in in, in both communities and, and neighborhoods and areas. Uh, I wound up going to Potomac High School. Uh, that's where I graduated from, and uh, you know, played ball uh, in the area, and came out in 1991, and uh, was able to go from there, play college basketball, uh, where I started at University of Texas, and. And wound up finishing at University of Delaware um, under Mike Bray, who's the head coach at Notre Dame now. Uh, and then shortly after there, man, I, you know, tried to do some professional things. And, uh, you know, God led me to some other, you know, some some other direction. Uh started coaching and teaching in 1998. And uh, that's it. That's that's all the wrote. Cool, cool, cool. Absolutely wonderful. Um so uh, you say you you went to uh, Potomac High School. Uh, you started from uh, not basketball, but you went there from ninth to twelfth grade, or, or how did that come about? Yep, yep, I did. Um, I, I actually um, I moved back from Sea Pleasant back to the Temple Hills area, um, and uh, went to Shugart Middle School um, in eighth grade, half of eighth grade, and then uh, uh, made my way to Potomac. Now, the, the, you know, the crazy part was, you know, coming out of school, man, I was, you know, considered to be the most highly rated in my class. Right. So a lot of people thought that I was going to be going to private school. My father played for George Leftwich at Archbishop Curl. Uh, you know, I was in the neighborhood over there where there was a couple, you know, back then there wasn't a lot of people going to private schools back then, but you had a couple in our area. John Gwynn went to DeMatha, a couple of um, my man Hill who went to Archbishop Curl. And so you had a couple, you know, the Lewis brothers who wound up going private. So there were a couple in the neighborhood that wound up going private. And a lot of people thought I was going to follow that same path, but it was no question at all um, about me going with myself. If I was going to go to private school, no way, no deal. Uh, I, I never wanted to go anywhere else but the historical Potomac High School. Got you. And, and so uh, speaking of Potomac High School, I, uh, one one particular name come in mind, I, I, I know you probably familiar, and let me know if, if you played with him or not, uh, Monty Williams. And you played with Monty Williams, right? And not just him, but can you talk about uh, some of the uh, – Great players you played with at Potomac High School. My God, man! I mean, that was that was one of the reasons why I wanted to go there so badly. I mean, the history um, of the school 
um, of the basketball program and so many great players. Oh my goodness, man. I mean, I was, I was very fortunate that when I came in, um, I, you know, I wound up being a starting point guard as a freshman at, at Potomac. And, you know, back then that, that's kind of, uh, that's kind of unheard of. And if I'm not mistaken, it's still something that hasn't been done yet. I mean, you know, at the time I was the, I, I believe I was the first freshman to ever start, um, on varsity as a, as a freshman. And I, I was playing on a team with Monty Williams and Jason Scott and guys that he's, I mean, these are big time guys, man. I was, you know, scared to death, man. You know what I mean? Um, but not scared in terms of com- competing, but just, you know, I was young, man. I'm 14 years old. And I'm playing in front of, you know, these greats. And um, it, it, it was amazing. But, uh, you know, Monty really sticks out a lot, man, because even, you know, um, he was the really the first person that in that I was able to mimic in high school in terms of work ethic. You know, I, I would get to school in the mornings. And Monty would already be in the gym working out an hour or so before school started. That was that was that was every day. I mean, that was that was every day. And so it got and so I'm a freshman. You know what I mean? So I'm trying to I'm like, is this um, is this what it's supposed to be like? Is this a one time thing? Was this like a special week? So it got to a point where now I'm. I get off the school bus and I'm sprinting to the gym because I wanted to see what's the consistency and without failure, man, like he was there every day. So that, that impression that was left on to me, like, okay, so like when you're on this level and this is where you want to be, this is how you have to do it. Okay. Then. So I just mimic that, you know, um, I'm, I'm, I'm mimicking, I watch, and I, and I did the same things that I, you know, I saw Monty doing. Absolutely, absolutely. So, watching him, Monty Williams, I hear you speak of his work, work ethic, and, and things of that nature. Uh, can you talk a little bit about how your career was at Potomac High School? And, and reason I'm asking you that because you talked about work ethic. Can you break down uh, your ninth grade year all the way up? you know, in a short story to your 12th grade year, how did that develop you to get to the next yep. level? Yep. And, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's really a part of my coaching, man. When, when I, I, you know, I try to instill in my players and I talk to them about the progressions, right? Because when I came in as a freshman, you know, I probably averaged maybe five points a game. You know, my, my, it, my role was to run the team. And I better had got the ball to Monty and Jason Scott, you know. I, I mean, we had three, four Division One, five Division One players, you know, on that team when I was a freshman. You know what I mean? Like, if I shot the ball, you know, I I, I better been wide open. You know what right. I mean? Like, right. that, that just wasn't my role, you know what I mean? And so, um, you know, uh, my game progressed. And then as I got to a sophomore and, you know, we was on this, that was the state championship team and a nationally ranked team that year. Monty's a senior now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my production picked up more, you know, and obviously so did my confidence. And, you know, and, and one thing about Potomac, man, which is so, um, so just 
just so such a blessed community, man. You know, we we've always been a family. I mean, I don't care no matter what year you came through Potomac, and if you if you came through Potomac and you played for Tav Hickman from nineteen eighty to nineteen ninety, you know, four or five or whatever when he left Potomac to go to Bowie State, you came back. You came back and gave to the program. You came back to give to the younger players. You came back. And so I was very fortunate, man, that, you know, I came in as a freshman. I was this, you know, this freshman. Who was this freshman kid starting varsity? You know, but, you know, the players that just left was players like Donald Grant, Byron Tucker. These were first team all Mets. And, you know, I mean, golly, man, like, you know, Renard Johnson's and all of these guys, man, with, you know, Frank Ross and all these greats, man, would just come back and give, man. And, you know, we would spend the summers and those guys would be drilling us, man, and getting involved and playing. So that was that was one of the ways as a young player that I was able to pick my confidence up too along the journey, you know, in that progression, you know. And so, you know, I went from five points as a freshman to 10 points as a sophomore, um, being more aggressive and yet still distributing. I don't think I ever averaged less than maybe eight or nine assists a game, even when my point production, you know, picked up. As as I went into my junior year, I averaged more like 25. And then as a senior, you know, I averaged more about like 20, 21 points as a senior. Absolutely. Uh, sound like a stellar career when you progress from being a freshman to a senior. That's you can you can elevate and see the progress. It's like building up that confidence. So that that was good right there. Um, at that time when you was uh being uh you know through your high school career, are you being recruited at this at this particular point? When do you start really being recruited as a high school player? Mm, man, I got my first letter and first recruitment when I was in the ninth grade by schools like Iowa, Stanford, Penn State. I mean, my recruitment started early, right? Uh, but naturally so, when you're a part of a program like Potomac or any kind of program, a DeMatha, a this, a that, that's historically successful, competitive, and players on a revolving door going to college, then the recruitment goes with the older guys that's being recruited now gives looks to the younger kids that's in the gym. You know what I mean? So by me being a freshman and being a starting point guard on those teams, well, guess what, man? I mean, Potomac's gym used to be jam packed with coaches, head coaches. Why? Because I got kid, we got guys like Jason Scott my freshman year, Monty Williams, my sophomore year. But Listen, we had Paul Curtis, who wound up going to Division One. Philip Downs, who wound up going to Division One. Kevin Powell, who wound up going to Division Two. Daryl Sanders, who wound up going to Division Two. I mean, these are all guys on that on that team when Monty was a senior. They, you know, we had six guys on that team that all went to college. Whether you know, now I'm just a sophomore, so you leap two years, and Paul was just a junior, so you leap one year. But still, you know, when you got that type of talent. You know, coaches come in and you get early looks, you know. And so, you know, it kind of trends like that. And then, you know, my coach was a very active coach. So, you know, he kept us in basketball camps. Five-star basketball camp back then was, you know, enormous and amazing, you know, outside of 
the Nike All American camp. Wow. You know, some, some you know, and then Adidas had that ABCD, but outside of that, Five Star was the camp to go to. Yes. You know what I mean? And if you play AAU, you had to be exceptional. Yes. So they didn't have a thousand teams. It was like maybe, you know, one or two teams per state or so, but you had to be very good uh to play to play AAU, you know. Um, and if not, man, you you got your you got your recruitment through basketball camps, BC All Star camps, Five Star had great camps, Eastern Invitationals, you know, and and now present day would be like uh, Hoop Group, who has basketball camps. Absolutely, uh, good stuff, man. Um, I hear you say you went to the University of Texas. I didn't know that. Uh, can you go and talk about uh, why? At first, the University of Texas, and, and lead us into the the transition from University of Texas into the University of Delaware, and why did that trans uh, transaction happen for you uh, going to a different school? Yeah, thanks for asking too, man. You know that it, it's all learning experiences, man. You know the the funny thing about Texas was Texas came into my recruitment very late. Right. They didn't start recruiting me until my junior going into my senior year. But they came hard. Right. They came very hard and very aggressive. But there was nowhere on my radar, not even like in my top 20 schools or whatever. You know, when I start breaking down, you know, my schools of choice from 20 to 15 to 10 and then to my last five. By the time I got to my last 10, I'm ready to start going in. Texas came in very late, you know. And I think, uh, you know, uh, I think what, what made them a little attractive was, you know, there was a big part of me that wanted to get away from the DMV. I, I you know, um, just didn't have many experiences, you know, in terms of being away outside of traveling because I, you know, I play ball. I, I thought I wanted to go away from school, you know, and um, and so um, that that was attractive. And then at the time, University of Texas, who the coach was Tom Penders, was running a very explosive offense, spread offense, dribble driving, attacking and scoring. And, you know, as a guard, you know, I, you know, I'm coming from a role where I was scoring, you know what I mean? Although I still had the mentality of a lead as a point guard, IQ point guard, you know what I mean? Like I said, even when I was averaging 20 some points a game, you know, I still love the past. I still wanted to get people involved. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, ultimately I wind up playing the position that that I was going to be playing of a league guard, getting to college and averaging about 12 points a game and seven assists. So, you know, uh, you know, again, like I tell young guys, man, your role of how you do things will be all over the place, man. But, man, I, I got there on my visit. Uh, and so – like I said, they came aggressive. They wound up sneaking in my top five. Okay. I wound up making them my first official visit of my five. Okay. Yeah. You know, I had my five official visits set up. Um, and I went to them first. And man, they just they they blew it out the water, man. I wound up coming home and, and committing. <laughs> wow. so, you know. So, so not that so you wind up, did you take the other visits to the other four schools? I didn't even take, I didn't even take the other four visits, bro. That's what I'm saying. Like it was, man, they, they put, they set it out so awesome, man. Like I was just like blown away. Like, wow. You know what I mean? But like, 
you know, now that you you get older, man, you you look back over time, you have conversations, you know, that that wasn't a wise thing that I should have done. You know what I mean? Like there was there was plenty of information that the coaches at Texas shared with me that was true, but they were semi-true. You know, like for an example, uh the point guard, I wound up going to Texas and not getting a lot of playing time, maybe 10 minutes a game or so. You know what I'm saying? But I knew that they had the kid, B.J. Tyler, who was from Texas, who had just transferred to Texas from DePaul. Mm. So they made it seem like B.J. was two years in front of me. So by the time I become a freshman, B.J. would be more like a junior, right. which was true, bro. That was true. But because he transferred, he sat out. He, he got that year back. And see, they didn't communicate that. So when I get to Texas, he's in his third year of college, he's a junior. So they told me that that's true. But what they mm-hmm. failed to mention is athletically, yeah. on the basketball court, he was just a sophomore. So here it is. I'm coming in as a freshman and I'm behind this kid who wound up being a first round draft pick. I mean, he was, I mean, he was really good. Now right. I'm not ducking, no, I'm not ducking anything competitive, you know what yeah. I mean? It's, it's all good. But um, I just, I just thought, you know, but that's that's what you get, man, when you don't think logically or, you know, you, you make decisions out of emotion or whatever, you know, not thinking it through all these other schools of my of my five who've been recruiting me since freshman year, put all this work in. And then I let a school come in just like that and just go. Wow. So I just kind of wish I had more yeah. people in my life at that time to, to tell me, hey, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to be patient. I'm glad you had a great visit. Now let's go, let's go show some respect and give all of those, those other schools an opportunity who really been there with you since you was a baby. Right. Go see what they're talking about. Go see what they want for you as a role coming in and stuff like that too. So yeah. If, if you don't mind mentioning, what was the other four schools that was in your top five? Yeah, my top five that I finalized for visits were Texas, Xavier. From out of Ohio, mm-hmm. uh, Miami, Providence, and Penn State. Mm. Good stuff, right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, transitioning. So you you mentioned a guy, uh, PJ Tucker, Tyler, PJ Tucker, a uh, BJ Tyler, PJ Tyler. Oh, I hope he ain't related to me. <laughs> but, yep. Um, what made you? Was that one of the reasons for you to transfer, and then? When you transferred, because back then, did they had a transfer portal where you got to let people let them know <laughs> that you're transferring? How did that, you know, shape up back then? And what made you choose Delaware at the time when you did transfer? Yep. So, no, they didn't have none of that transfer portal stuff back then, man. Um, the craziness that's going on now. But, you know, you could transfer at your will. Uh, but you you de- you had to sit out though a year, wow. yeah. and and but you got the year back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, um, <clears throat> you know, man, I think you know. Listen, I I was a kid who who um, who worked very hard to get to you know everything that he had. Um, I wasn't used to going somewhere and not playing. You know what I'm saying? So that was my first real adversity that I faced. You know, in terms of athletically, you know what I mean? Here it is. I'm a high school All-American. I'm high school All-Med and 
attention has always been on on me and you know you have this type of favor and then you get to college and it ain't quite like that you got to be strong-minded you know what yeah. i mean you got to have enough people in your circle that's going to tell you to push it through you know to push forward you're going to be okay now what i probably what i should have done was at least give it two years you know because nobody really wanted me to transfer tech nobody nobody on the on the staff at texas really wanted me to transfer i still had some things in my game that i needed to work on and i should have just buckled down and worked on it and i think as a sophomore i would have been much better you know what i mean but i you know i was impatient so that was that's the number one reason why i transferred because i was impatient yeah. now i chose delaware mostly because um, and I had a lot of the other schools that were recruiting me still in the picture. So I, there was plenty of places I could have transferred to, but I, I wanted to go somewhere where, you know, the reason why I transferred is so that I can play more, you know. And my high school teammate, Pat Evans, who played with me at Potomac, who came out with me in 91, he went to University of Delaware and, you know, I got in contact with him and the coaching staff. And, you know, we had some great conversations about, you know, what it would look like for me coming in. And, you know, um, I would basically get the, what I want, you know, which was, the you know, a great amount of playing time and extended huge, a huge role uh, um, and would be looked at to be doing high major things within the university. So that's why I took it. Absolutely. Um, you touched on something earlier when you talked about uh, coaches, your coaches at uh, Potomac uh, put you in all these different camps, uh, five star and, and different camps like that. Yeah. Do you think is a difference in, you know, today, do you think some of the coaches of today as yourself uh, implement those things to give the kids the best uh advantage to 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 get them in schools as they did back when you were coming up you know man i i and i don't even know you know it, it seemed like that would be the norm right i mean you know i i, I know that there was you know a lot of hard-working coaches even you know back then um that worked hard for their program and for their players you know what i mean um even now, I, I I know tons of coaches, man, who work hard for their kids. You know what I mean? Um, whether they're, you know, taking their kids to camp like maybe I do or just providing some wisdom and guidance in terms of AAU organizations to, to rock with or be with or, you know what I'm saying, making suggestions for this or for that or that you just see them out there working. You know what I mean? And then some you don't, you know, and maybe they don't have to. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and that's okay, man. I'm, I, you know, it's nothing to be judgmental about. You know, I'm, I just kind of took on the personality of the people that invested in me. That's all. You know what I mean? So I, I do it very similar to what was done for me because that's all I know. So I know to be a very hands on coach. I know to be, you know, an all year round guy. Yes. You know, I I don't know how to turn it on, turn it off. When the season is over, I'm out. I see you when we get back. It's AAU season. I'm out. I see you when it's over. I don't know how to do that. Yes. You know what um, I mean? So. Yeah, yeah, yes, sir. And, and so um, 
that that just came across my mind as you were saying it. I wanted to get that in there. Uh, did you know uh, what you was going to do after college? Was was your mind uh, NBA or was your mind like, no, I know I'm going to, uh, you know, go get a job or, or, or what have we start a business or things of, of that nature? I was just like any other kid from the from the city, man, who really felt like, hey, man, I'm going to be the next guy going to the NBA. Right. I mean, that's that's what you work for. I mean, I can't I can't think of anything else. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I did. I played ball every single day. That's what I wanted to do. And that's what I did. Like, Did I party? Did I hang out with God and stuff like that? Yes, I did. But. Those people that know Rob Garner, man, like they knew where they could find me. I was a gym rat, you know what I mean? And so, you know, I'm I'm no different than any other kid who has those type of aspirations. You know what I mean? Um, I, you know, a part of my testimony goes to, you know, once I left Texas to go to Delaware, I went from a high major situation to a mid-major. Right. So those, so those looks decrease and you know, you get in college, man, and you start to figure out, you know, uh, you know, there's levels to this. Right. There's levels to this. You know what I mean? There's a lot, a lot of very, very, very good players and great players. And not everybody's going to make it to that level. You know right. what I'm saying? And so that's why when college was over, man, I, I you know, I wanted to try. I wish I was more humble um, with myself. Um in terms of how how much I put into professionally and humbling myself and saying, hey, you know, it's it's okay to go overseas and make this amount of money. You go for the experience. If you make twenty dollars, man, to go play basketball, I mean that's that's just amazing the fact that you're getting paid to play basketball. Yes. But you know, I wasn't I don't think I was humble enough, man, but you know, but God used that to I believe that he used that to really direct me to what I'm what I'm really was supposed to do, man. Like all my life, I've always had a joy for kids, man, and being around the youth and uh, wanting to make a difference. You know what I mean? You know, even if just because of my own testimony. But I, I knew at some point that I wanted to make a difference, you know, and um, so I teach P.E. and health. You know, I knew that that was probably going to be significant because I spent my whole life around sports um, and I love teaching, I'm, a, you know, and so uh, that's what I went with, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, how did you, how did you, so so you said you went to PE, P, teaching PE, physical education. I got a question for you about that. Uh, <laughs> but how did you get into coaching? How did you, when did you very first start coaching and how did it propel you to the great legend that you are now? I, oh, those man. are my words. Those are my words. <laughs> yeah. how, did you, how did you get in it to coaching? Uh, well, first of all, man, I really, you know, thank you, man, for, for you know, even saying those kind words, man. That's, thank Absolutely. you. Um, you know, man, I just, you know, it goes back to, you know, God has a plan, man. That's yeah. all I can say. I mean, I love Ricardo Reed so much, man. Rico Reed, who was the head coach at Potomac at the time when I came home okay. in 1998 and I started teaching 
Um, I had my first teaching job in 1998 at Benjamin Stoddard. Okay. And, and Rico, Coach Reed, asked me to coach. And wow. that's how I started. Now, the, the crazy part is, I, at that particular time, I didn't have any coaching experience, just playing experience. You know what I'm saying? But he asked me to be his junior varsity head coach. Wow. Wow. And so, you know, when I think about and I always tell Rico that, like, he threw me in a fire, basically. You know what I'm saying? Like, but not only did he throw me in a fire, man, I mean, you know, um, for him to even think that that's where I should start. Like, you see head coach qualities in me. You know what I'm saying? Regardless if it's junior varsity or not, man, like every head coach knows the importance of their JV program. Right, and, you right. know, he 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 gave me his junior varsity program, man. And I was, you know, when you're young, 25 years old, you don't think about it. Like, yeah, man, I can do that. That's, you know, that's, that's, that's I'm a baller, man. Like, you know, I know this game inside out, you know. Right. Uh, but I really learned a lot underneath his tutelage, man, and so basically, in all of my coaching, I've always been a head coach. Wow. wow. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing stuff. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You coached at Potomac. You coached at Wise and Gwen Park. Is there, am I missing any parts? Yep. So I started off coaching at Potomac. I wound up leaving Potomac. Now, here's, here's what's great about this story, man, and the people that God put in your life. You know, um, Coach Reed wound up leaving Potomac and taking the Flint Hill job, okay? So this is where he is now. He's, he hasn't turned back. He's at Flint Hill, but this they just won. We had just won, you know, the state championship and all of that stuff. You know what I'm saying? Potomac was amazing. I, I mean, it was amazing. So he took the Flint Hill job. So here it is. I'm thinking, hey, this me. I'm I'm moving right into the head. Like I'm I am Potomac. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like there's nobody else more qualified than I would be to have this Potomac varsity job. Right. I wound up not getting it. I was distraught, man. Oh my God, I was so distraught, bro. And um, hurt, disappointed. I wound up leaving and going to Fairfax County, Virginia. Okay. To teach and coach. Right. And oh my God. And that's where I, I worked under a gentleman named Kevin Weirin, who's one of the best coaches and brilliant minds that I've ever had an opportunity to be around, man. I've really learned how to be a coach. When I got to Fairfax, Virginia, man, underneath of him, wow. I just wow. learned that there was so much more about coaching than X's and O's and basketball related stuff. And it was yeah. just so much more off the court stuff and how you encourage yourself and how you did things and being organized, you know, always being one or two or three steps ahead of the next person, things of that nature, man how to delegate duties and responsibilities to other people where, you know, I'm young, man. I do it myself. You know what I mean? I'm 25. Yeah. I do it myself, you know? And so you just, I, I learned so much, man. And it's really then 
that I really learned and propelled myself to being a varsity head coach when I went to Virginia. So I went there and coached for three years underneath for him. And then I wound up in 2007 getting my first head coaching job at Friendly. Wow. Okay. And then from Friendly, I went to Wise, then from Wise to Gwent Park. How, how many, what, what was the name of the school that you coached at in Fairfax? And how long did you coach at Friendly to go to Wise? Yep. So uh, the name of the school is called, it's called Marshall. Marshall is right there in what well, they consider to be Forest Church, but it's right there, Forest Church in Tyson's Corner That's out there. Right. And, uh, uh, just an amazing school, man. I, I I had I had three years of the most amazing time, man. I really did. You know what I mean. Um, um, and then 2007 to 2011, I was at Friendly, so I was at Friendly for four years. Gotcha. You know, and I I happened to get there at a time where you know Friendly has normally a powerhouse. They had Sam Young and Chris Howard, all of those guys. Yes. You know, uh, on that team. Um, and then after they left and won those back-to-back state championships, the program at Friendly kind of went down a little bit, yeah. kind of went down. So when I interviewed for the job, they were down in the cellar for a couple of years. Okay. So um, I was I was able to come in, man, and um, and bring that and resurrect that program, you know, and bring it back up. I was there for four, my second my second year there, man. We we lost in the state championship to Lake Clifton with Will Barton and those guys. Will Barton that plays for the Denver Nuggets. Wow, yeah. Wow. You know, in my second year, and then uh, and then my fourth year, we lost in the state um, to another Baltimore. Um, God, I always forget what um, my team. Um, it didn't come to you. <laughs> anyway, it's always it's always had something to do with the Baltimore guys. And Baltimore guys have always been tough. Absolutely. Um, oh, Milford Mill, Milford Mill. That's what it is, yeah. Milford yeah. Mill. Gotcha. So you know, man, I you know, and for, from there, just kind of grew in me. Like, okay, man, like when I you know, and I went to Wise, I kind of felt in my spirit, man, that that you know, God had me to go places, man, to build things. Yes. You know, I started to feel like okay. This ain't just about coaching basketball. At some point, the light came on with me, like it transitioned for me, you know, in terms of how I was going to be coaching. And it turned into more of a ministry for me, man. Absolutely. Uh, two, two, two kids that I remember you, uh, and I got it for you. Um, Brandon Howard. He transferred from Little Roosevelt to Wise. And there's another guy that you had at Wise that was exceptional too. I don't know where he went. I know his name was Jerome. I don't know his last name. But his name, his name as was, it was it Mike Spade? Mike Spade. Yeah. What, whatever, because I always wonder what, 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 what took place with them. Not the, 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 the I know what happened with Mike Spade. Mike Spade, what, whatever happened to him? In his basketball career, because at that time you guys went undefeated wise. That's right, man. We we were we were not only undefeated. We wound up being the number one team in the area. We wound up being number, if I'm not mistaken, man. We were either six anywhere between fourteen and sixteen 
ranked. When we beat Rock Creek, that 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 when we beat them to become number one in the area, we wind up being, I think, number sixteenth in the country. Mm. So that was huge. Yeah, you know, was, that was, was huge. You know what I mean? Um, but you know, that that was a really a, a really a really great team that spent a lot of time together. You know, Mike Spate, Deron Barnes, mm-hmm. um, Brent Pegram, they all been together for a very long time. Then then we added Brandon Howell. Man, Brandon Howell completed the whole deal. When Brandon Howell transferred to Wise, it took so much pressure off of Mike Spate. It was mm-hmm. enormous because, you know, Mike was really – the only, although we had so much talent, mm-hmm. he was really the only gifted, flat-out scorer that we had who could just score the ball. So he faced so many obstacles and challenges from other teams all the time. Yeah. But when Brandon came, oh, my goodness. Boy, that boy could shoot that basketball, man. My yeah. God, man, that boy could shoot that ball, man. To this day. You know, I, I I talk about Brandon Howe and how he just shot that ball. And he's such a great kid, man. Yeah. He just, you know, how the guys embraced him. You know, because sometimes, man, you know, uh, when you got immature teams, man, and you get another prolific guy to come in your program. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to establish the alpha thing. You yeah. know what I mean? I spend more time trying to establish the alpha thing. And no, man, I'm the alpha. I've been here the long, you know, that type of thing. Right. Man, they right. just they embraced him so well, man. I mean, was it you'd have never thought I thought Brandon was at Wise the whole time. Was, the whole time, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh so that was yeah. a blessing, man, to get him and you know, and Mike, man, so that loosened some things up for him. And he just obviously he had a outstanding year, man. First team on Matt. And you know, Mike coming out of high school, man, had, you know, a six, seven, eight offers, division one offers, man, and you know, um, I don't know, man. You know, um, it, it didn't correlate. Um, you know, decisions were made, you yeah. know, uh, along the way from the time high school for his senior year to when it was time for him to attend school. Uh, you know, um, instead of going to those Division One schools, um, you know, decided to go prep school to see if he could do maybe, a, you know, more high major schools. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so he went. He went from a prep school to um, um, to a school in Massachusetts. Um, okay. um, oh God, Division Two school. Okay, he wound up going to Division Two and yeah. playing there solid. Um, and then um, and then stop playing after that. You know, uh, but he's doing great, man. He's doing um. Last time I checked, he was uh, doing a, uh, had his own, actually. Um, him and his uh, family had their own re- realtor company. Okay. So he's doing real estate. Ooh. And doing very well, man. So we couldn't be more happy about that. Absolutely. I was going to ask you, it seemed like it hurt, uh, hurt you a little bit to, you know, uh, uh, him, you know, the decisions that you make that that you kind of let the family or people in this corner handle. Whereas <laughs> though, if you talk to them and you say, "Hey, I I believe if you asking me, I think you should do this," but then when the family or or different other people get involved and they make that decision, you know, kind of kind of 
make you feel a certain type of way. But can you, I mean, not to, not to dwell on that, not just him, but some other students, because my next question to you was going to be, you coached a lot of great players in your tenure. Can you uh, name a few people, uh, players that you coached that, that, that uh, was great and talk about their, uh, you know, time on the basketball court along with Mike and the decision that he made and, you know, how I can not just affect him, but the program because, you know, when you talked about you know, the players that you played with came back and it made an effect on you because now they're looking at you. Yep. Yep. And, and so, and just like that, man, no matter what that's, and, and I'm so glad that I've been able to transition into mm-hmm. coaching more of a ministry because you know I've been a lot of places and yet all those kids were all one family if you play for coach Garner we're all one family I don't care when you played you you if you was on my JV team if you was on my friendly team if you was coaching with me on Virginia I mean if you would play for me on Virginia if you play for me at Wise and now Gwen Park it doesn't matter it's a brotherhood you know, and all those guys still come back and they still invest, you know, not just in their school where they play for me at, but they invest in Coach Garner. You know what I'm saying? And that's what I love about those guys, man, because at the end of the day, man, you know, this can't be just about basketball. Yeah, like sure. if this if this just about basketball, yeah, you know, sure. and, I, and I, you know, and, and my communication with families all the time is like, you know, we 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 do the disservice, man, when we're trying to make these decisions solely about basketball. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to talk, make decisions that's going to affect the future of your child much later on down the line. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, um, and so yeah, man, I mean, you know, uh I, I try to do my part in terms of um being an extension to the family and offer support and give my suggestions, but ultimately at the end of the day, you know, man, families are, are, are going to make their own decisions, you know, whether that's for right or wrong, you know what I mean? Like, but at the end of the day, the testimony should be not a point the finger game, you know, it should be like, this is your fault. This is your fault. Like I, I, I don't really have time for that. You know, at the end of the day, you know, if you're going to make the decision, then you ultimately should stand up and stand on that decision and say, hey, you know, this is on me. You know, this is something that we chose to do. And and, and ultimately, if it, it caused us to make a different turn, then so be it. You know, one thing I, I talk to my kids all the time about is what you're going to be when the ball isn't in your hand anymore. Mm. So, yeah, I, w- I might have been a little disappointed be- and with Mike Spade in, in terms of, I, I know the potential. I know his level. He could have been a Division One, yada, yada, yada. Absolutely. But no way am I disappointed on how he turned out to be a man. Oh, See, that's oh. the thing for me, man. Like, you know, w- w- you know, the things that we try to instill is goes further than a freaking basketball, a game. Like, right. all of that is just learning opportunities for what you're going to be as a husband, what you're going to be as a father, what you're going to be as a provider. You know what I'm saying? Lessons learned about being disciplined, having a commitment, you know, being a team player, you know, looking out for people, having somebody's back. I mean, all of these types of things, man, 
where when you meet adversity and you meet challenges, and man, you know how to get through it. Why? Because you was a part of something that was very special. You know what I mean? So that's that's what I get more than anything. I got kids, man. I got players who's played Division One basketball. I got kids who's playing professional basketball now. I got kids who, after they play high school, didn't go to college and play. And they still come back. Why? Because it's not about you don't have no rank in this in this brotherhood, man, because you happen to play for the Lakers and I'm I'm a um I'm an entrepreneur. Right. And I didn't get to go that far. No, man. Like and, and none of the guys ever look at each other like that either. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, we're just happy to see everybody, you know, uh, being successful in their lives, man. And and knowing the importance of coming back, sharing those experiences, man, those memories and the kids asking them questions, man, how was coach Garner back then, man? Or how was coach Garner then? You know what I'm saying? And, and hearing some of the same, you know, stories, you yes. know what I mean? Hey man, one of the, one of the, the greatest kids I've ever coached, you know, and these kids become like sons to you, man. Like, I mean, these kids are like my sons. I mean, yeah. you know, um, I coached a kid named Sherrod Baltimore mm-hmm. uh, at Friendly, and Sherrod is one of the most amazing kids. Or you no, know, now he's a young man. You know what I mean? That I've ever had an opportunity to be around. But if you know the Sherrod Baltimore story, right now Sherrod plays professional football in Canada. He's plays in the CFL. He's been playing years in Canada. He was a DC Assault kid okay. when he was in high school. Played for DC Assault but he also played football. I thought that Sherrod was a division one point guard. He was amazing. He was yeah. all met in football and all met in basketball at friendly. Wow. He took us to two championships in his, you know, in his high school career. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I'll never forget that he told me one summer that he wasn't going to be able to play basketball. Summerly, right? He came to me like, you know, very mature, you know. And because of the relationship I had with him, I, you know, I I, I understood. But he, one thing he said, he said, Coach, I, I got to pursue this football thing because I feel like longevity, this is what it's going to be for me. But I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be able to play, you know, or, or he played summer league, but he didn't go to like the camps that we would go to. Coach, I won't be able to go to those camps because I got to go to the football camps. But he did play summer league. I'm sorry. Right. Um. Um. But you know, I'm with you 100. percent We're gonna, you know, we 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 all away with this thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So man, Sherrod, because Friendly was always solid in football, he would always come a little bit late to basketball. We started off that year one and four. Wow. One and four. No, I'm sorry. One and three. We were one and three in our first four games. One and three. He comes back when the football season is over, right? Yeah. We didn't lose a game until we went to the state. We had the longest winning streak that season in the area. Us and Wise that year. And then we wound up beating Wise for the county. Wow. We won like 20 straight games. Mm. Never, we didn't lose another game until we got to Maryland. 
That's the impact I'm saying that, that this kid, him. yes, that this kid had. Now, now, wow. now listen, he's not playing in the NBA nowhere. Right. He didn't go to play college basketball. Mm. This man went to the University of Maine to play DB football. And that's the impact that he had within the program and in that community in Fort Washington. Wow. You know, but I could go on and on, man. Yeah. I had so many, so many great <laughs> ones, man. Yeah. Um switching directions just a tad bit, right? Because I, I I follow you on, on social media. I see that you are Correct me if I'm wrong. You are a pastor. Correct. I am a pastor. Yep. I am an ordained pastor. Yep. <clears throat> pastor. And, and we, we know you're a coach. Uh, can you talk about uh, how you got into becoming a pastor and what it means to be a pastor and a coach? Very similar. <laughs> Very similar. You know, uh, at some point, man, I just recognized that I had a calling on my life, man. You know what I mean? I, uh, I, I, part, I knew it when I was younger, actually, but I just ran from it, wasn't ready to accept it. Yeah. You know, uh, I actually got saved, accepted Jesus Christ in my life as a freshman mm-hmm. at Texas, you know, but that was just all talk and chit chat. But, you know, the seed was planted, you know, at that time. And regardless if I walked with it or talked with it at that time, it didn't matter. God did the work. He got the seed planted and it was watered much later on. You know what I mean? But, um, you know, I, I, I'm a pastor, but I don't, I'm not a pastor in terms of like I have my own church and stuff like that. I'm just a pastor in the church where, you know, I fellowship at the Temple of Praise over in Southeast under the leadership of Bishop Glenn A. Staples and Pastor Staples. And, cool. and, and obviously, man, God used Bishop to see things in me. And, and like I said, and, uh, you know, bishop and pastor, you know, made me a uh, uh, youth pastor to, you know, help overlook the youth and stuff like that. And, you know, man, you know, being a pastor is is being a shepherd, man. You know, you got a heart of compassion. Like, and those are traits and things that I've always had, even without the title. Don't need the title. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's just, it's someone that looks over and cares for the flock, you know, and that's often what we do as coaches. You know what I'm saying? And um, it's just like now, you know, I have a very unique opportunity to not just, you know, lead by an example as a former basketball player, man. I lead by example with my faith and what I believe in, you know, and teaching kids. You know, at the end of the day, man, um, it's, it's really about, it's not really so much about what you say as it is about who you are and, and how you carrying yourself. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want kids to know that, hey, man, there's power in prayer, you know, and there's power, you know, you got to have faith. You know, what is faith? You know, uh, what is it to be a team and, and sacrificing things of yourself, you know, so that the next man could have some success? I mean, all of those things come into a spirituality that at some point, man, even at this, at the young age, if it just seeds planted again, like me, right, seeds right. planted, and some of those seeds are watered early. Some of some of the kids they get it then. Some of them might not get it too much later. But my unique job, bro, 
is to make sure that outside of this basketball thing that I am planting seeds. You know what I'm saying? And so that's the part that I take very, 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 very serious. Absolutely. Absolutely. Couple of more questions. Uh, this is this is real powerful. Um, how do you how do about the NIL in college basketball and where it's headed now? You know, I um I, I'm not sure how I feel. You know, I, I you know I was just talking to one of my coaches about um doing some more research on it and uh and, and learning more about it. I do think that I I I I think they came out with it so fast and like threw it out there and now they're trying to roll it back in because they understand it was way more like it needed to have more structure to it. Right. It seemed like it had as much structure to it now. So now you got my God, man, you mean you got kids that could be in college and they can make millions of dollars while they in college? Yeah. Like Man, <laughs> uh, I'm just saying it's it's which is great. I, I, the, it's great, man. I mean, you know, uh, the NCAA and college they've made so much money beyond giving the athlete the scholarship that that's great, man. I mean, you know, there should be some retribution to guys, <laughs> some of us old school guys. I know that's that's what we be thinking about. Hey, man, they need to they need to hook us up, man, for all that time that we were struggling outside of that scholarship, trying to make ends meet, but. Absolutely. You know, but that's that's how life goes, man. I mean, you know, we you paved the way for the next generation. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like this generation, we do a lot of talking and negative talk about this generation. And sometimes, man, I get on I get on this generation too about a few things. But name another generation, man, that have gone through what this generation has gone through and what they have had to endure. Right. My goodness, man. You know, the next generation and after that, we'll be talking about these kids and the stuff that they had to endure, man. Yeah. You know, with the COVID and all of this stuff, man, that they have to, you know. So I'm very happy that those kids get to be able to now, you know, uh, monetarily outside of the scholarship, be able to, you know, find a financial means to do some things legally so that kids won't get punished for helping their family out while they're in college and things of that nature, man, trying to do stuff behind people's back underneath the table and stuff like that. Right. Now, now, now things can be out in the open, yeah. you know, and uh, because, man, hey, you know, majority, I'm not going to even say some, man, I, I think most kids, you know, especially if you come from an urban I'm not saying everybody that comes from an urban needs that type of support, but a lot of kids, man, that come from the urban settings need to, you know, they want to help their family somehow. You know what I'm saying? That was a great start. Getting a scholarship helped the family. Wouldn't been able to go to college, man, if it wasn't for free. So now, man, you know, now you're saying I get to, I get to make a little bit of money while I'm working hard in college to get my parents down. Now they can fly to come see me play in games on the West Coast when they wouldn't be able to. Or now I can help with a little bit of a mortgage or food on the table, even while I'm here and help them there. You know what I mean? So I think it's a blessing, man. I just I think it just needs to be a little more structured to it. And 
parity, a little more parity to it, kind of kind of come down. Can't just be for the high major kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? I play at Duke, so I should be able to get this. But if I play at American University, I ain't get, you know, nope. Right. It needs right. to be a, I understand the high major kids, but it needs to kind of everybody needs to be able to be blessed from it. Absolutely. Uh, speaking, uh, speaking, of, speaking of that, that, my next question oh, to follow up on that is, what do you think <laughs> the high school Students now uh, pertaining to getting scholarships because of the uh, the transfer portal is is kind of harder in, in, in my opinion to, to get that scholarship that they that was once for them. How do you feel about that? Uh, the 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 scholarship in a high school student getting that scholarship because of all the transfer portal things that's going on. Yep. So, you know, I, I spent a lot of time trying to communicate with my families that, you know, of kids that I'm coaching now, trying to explain to them how this is going now. You know what I mean? Like it's important to know, you know, how the recruitment is going now because of the transfer portal. You know, everybody has their eyes and mindset on their child wanting to be a division one player, which is fine and dandy. But even the kid that we all know has D1 potential, it's not a guarantee now because of the transfer portal. I mean, you know, they're the, the, the college coaches. And when we talk about the transfer portal for real, we're only talking about division one for real. Okay. You know, so, you know, the kid that's that's playing Division three, NAIA, and things of that nature, man, I mean, for, like, if you have an opportunity to play basketball at the next level, be a student athlete at the next level, you're blessed no matter what. But now, in order to play Division one basketball, where they're, they're recruiting the transfer portal first, mm-hmm. and then, what, maybe prep school and JUCOs? Yes. Then the high school kid is somewhere around fourth at the end at the bottom there. And unless you're really good. Now, if you're a really good high school player, you've been exposed to recruitment of division one coaches. You got offers and stuff like that. Then now you you bump up in competition with some of those older. Now it's just on the coach. Do I mind bringing in a freshman versus going in and bringing in the older kid? Where am I in my recruitment with certain things? You know what I'm saying? Yes. You know, so that's 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 pretty much on the coach and their program, you know, when it gets to that point. But the kids need to understand that, hey, man, if anybody recruits you, you're blessed. Yes, you're blessed. Absolutely. You're blessed. And don't. And so like I told all my kids, don't be waiting around. Parents, don't be waiting around. Ain't no waiting around. You wait around. You're going to lose out. Yeah. You know Absolutely. what I mean? And so it's just, you know, that whole mindset, though, man, of, you know, the transfer thing. Like, I'm not against the transfer portal either, man. I mean, look, here it is. I'm a kid who went to college who transferred, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, the thought, pro- I mean, some of the, the idea is just different from back then to what it is now. Kids are just transferring because, yeah. just because, like it's like a popular fad. Like I'm gonna transfer because I want to. Right. You know what I mean? And um, I'm not saying that that's all the reasons, but a lot of kids, you know, who just need to 
learn how to deal with adversity and fight for theirs and you know what I mean shouldn't transfer because just because you put your name in a polo doesn't mean that you're going to get that next opportunity there are way more kids who didn't get the opportunity who put their names in the transfer portal now what yeah they either had to go down right they had to go down yeah you know just to you know to get to to continue so I don't know, man. It's uh, I, I, again. I think it's another thing that that lacks structure and and really, um, you, you know, that one time transfer that everybody gets, and then after that, man, it should be if you transfer, you got to sit out. Absolutely. Period. Absolutely. A uh, couple of more, just a couple of more questions. I got two two, two important <laughs> questions at the end that I was telling you about. Next question: What can we expect you at Gwen Park now? What can we expect this year from the Gwen Park basketball team, and what players to look out for this coming year? If you don't mind sharing that with us <laughs> this year at, at Gwen Park, I am a uh, man. I couldn't be more excited about Gwen Park, man. I, you know, when when. <clears throat> To many people, I I wasn't I shouldn't even have took the Gwen Park job. You know, you you at wise, you have all that success, and to many people thought taking the Gwen Park job would be a step down. You know what I mean? Just I had a lot of people telling me to be patient and just don't coach and wait till this private school come up or this private this private or college or this or that. You know, and uh, you know I'm just a man who kind of has to follow his heart, man, and the lead of God, man. And I just kind of felt like. There was something again for me to do at Gwen Park, you know, and, um, you know, when you're building things, man, it takes time, yeah. you know, it's not, you can't build fast. And I wasn't in a position to build fast because, you know, it was in a whole rebuilding phase, you know? And so now, man, I, we're finally, you know, my fourth year, um, outside of the COVID. So it really feel like after three, I really feel like this is my third year. Like we've been there for three years because we didn't play that one year because of COVID. Yes. I was fortunate, man, to get all of those 2024 kids that come to their home school. Ty, Ty Bevins, Tony Pope, Devin Baxter, you know, these kids who are, who are elite level kids, they're, they could be at anybody's private school and playing right now. Mm. You know, these kids are, you know, they play on the circuit, AAU-wise. You know, they got offers. I mean, you know, uh, and they all decided, man, to come and um, and play for me at Gwent Park, man. That's That was huge, you know. And then we had kids like Ryan Archie and Mike Brown and kids in the, in the, in the program in my first year. You know, uh, Jalen Hayes and, and, and uh, Jaden Wingard and Christian Hayes. And, you know, I had some great kids, man, um, that really put a lot of work in to the foundation to build to where we are right now, man, in which we are ready to explode, brother. We are ready to explode in Brandywine, man. I got the talent. The talent is there. Um the you know the experience now that these kids been there since freshmen and now they're going into their eleventh grade year and man we had an outstanding season this year we finished right behind Douglas yeah. you know, and obviously Douglas made it all the way to the state 
Yeah. You know, and they they I mean they they skirted out of there with a couple of wins on us, man. You know what I mean? But um, you know, and they had so much experience, yeah. more experience yeah. than us. So I just like I think that what you know, we got more experience now. Those kids are all coming back. Uh of the twelve kids I had last season, six of them were tenth graders. Wow. You know, so this year's team coming right now, I only have two kids that's going to graduate. And again, of the other nine or 10 kids, 10 kids will be coming back again. You know, so we're in a blessed position, man. We, you know, we pray that, you know, everybody stays healthy and focused and locked in. And but you can feel the excitement within the program and the coaches and in the community, you know, because. You know, Grand Park haven't won a state championship since 1988. Wow. No, but listen to this. They have the most state championships in the state of Maryland. Grand Park has the most state championships in the state of Maryland from the 70s and the 80s. Wow. Over a 20-year period of time, a 20-year period of time from 1988 that, what's that? What I say? 70? 68. So let's say from 68 to 88, 20 years, right. they won 10. So that's the average of what? One every other year? Yeah, every other year. Yep. Wow. I, yeah. A lot of people probably didn't know that. That's just, you, you, you're you bringing the history out now. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I look at those banners every day, man. I go into that gym and I see those banners covering those walls. You know, and I just say, you know, God, you know, I, you know, it's not just about the championships, man. You know what I mean? But I, I really believe that he brought me there to to bring that community to back to where it needs to be. You know, uh, I I just thought of this question when you when you talk about the history of women. Real quickly, how important is your administration to your success in coaching? Is the administrative very important to to build that legacy or what have you? Absolutely, man. I mean, any coach would tell you that support, without support, man, it's like it's like a dog chasing his tail. You know what I mean? Like every coach needs support. And when your when your administration and your leadership team supports your vision, you just feel more confident about what you're doing. You know what I mean? And when they have your back for that, you know, and uh, man, that's been super at Gwen Park. My athletic director, Linda Hub, she's she's been great, man. Hands down, one of the best I've had, you know, what I'm saying in terms of supporting my vision and 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 in the direction that I see the program going, which is. I need Gwen Park to be an elite program. I, I don't, you know, it bothers me when somebody gives me the tag or, you know, I mean, y'all pretty good public school. Right. See what I'm saying? Like, nobody says that about the math. Nobody says, hey, the math is a really good private school. Right. They just say the math is really good. Yeah. Part of six is really good. Gonzaga is really good. Like, you know, nobody, but when it comes to really good public schools, Eleanor Roosevelt, Wise, you know, Flowers, I mean, you know, Douglas, you know, Oxy, you know, these, these public schools, you know, Wilson in D.C. and some of these other really good Montgomery County schools that's really good. Right. They want to point out the fact that we're public schools. So my 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 vision, man, is that 
We're going to break that stigma at Gwen Park. And that's what I want so desperately to break that stigma, man, that we just want to be considered a really great program. Absolutely. Don't matter if it's public or private. Great, great program, man. So that's what we're chasing. Absolutely. Last two questions. Let me get you out of here. Uh, coaching and teaching is a sacrifice. Of We know coaching and, and, and teaching and sacrifice. How much of a role your wife, Miss Gardner, plays into the success of you be, being a great coach and a great teacher, great pastor that you are? She talked look, she over there now. Like, she, she she on the phone and everything, but she heard that question. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> look, man, I, I go I, I go I go back fundamentally to 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 the to the pastor and coach, right? It's is how important is the first lady to the pastor? Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like it's that important for the coach, you know. When you got, again, you have that type of support at home. You know what I mean? Anybody can tell you, man, that, I, I, I mean, you know, their success is grounded in the people that's around them, that love them and care about them. You know what I'm saying? And for, for my wife, man, uh, it means everything because when I get, when I have that type of support, man, I just feel invincible. I can, I can, there's nothing I can't do. You know what right. I mean? When you got that type of support and when you have somebody in your life, um, that's understanding of the commitment, like that's, that's important too. Like you can't be my wife if you don't understand that part. If you don't understand my call, you know what I'm saying? Then it's no need to be in a relationship. You know, you know, uh, and so her understanding what my call is, what drives me, and she gets in that drive with me, you know, and pushes, that means everything, you know what I mean? And so, um, no, man, she's, she's been great. Uh, She's really the coach, bro. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the assistant for real, man. (laughs) <laughs> you know, but there there are many, you know, she gives a very unique and different perspective on things, you know, and so I go to her often about education, uh, athletics, yeah. when I want to hear something that's real. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like when I, you know, I don't want somebody to sugarcoat. I don't want nobody to give me an answer based upon you know, you know, sometimes, man, we give responses. I love you, man. So I'm going to give it to you like I love you. You know what I'm saying? And, but she going to give it to me. I I, I know she love me, but she going to give it to me raw, yeah. uncut. And uh, but it's truthful. Yes. You know what I mean? And so uh, that's that's been a blessing. Yes, sir. OK. Uh, great stuff, man. Great stuff. Last question. I, I do not want to end on this note, but I had to. Uh, uh, ask you this question. Um, if you want to answer it, you can. If not, you uh, I know you recently just lost a, a, a great brother, a great friend. Uh, can you talk about, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, what Coach Renard Johnson, what he meant to just, uh, you know, the whole, the whole and, and just being a, a, a inspirational 
coach and, and, and teacher and, you know, leader. Can you give talk about that just real quick or? Yep. 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 Um, Bernard, man, you know, um, <clears throat> you know, I just I love God so much, man, because of, you know, the direction that he's in the paths and the plan that he has in my life. You know what I mean? Not everybody. I'm just very fortunate, man, you know, to have had a relationship with Renard Johnson. You know, some people know him as a coach and that's it. You know, some people know him as this and that's it. And some people know him as this, as a coworker, because we, t they taught together and that's it. I've, I've had, I've had, I've known Renard since I was at what? 12, 13, 14 years. Old. I mean, you know, since I was a kid, you yeah, know, yeah. I've known this man and um, what's amazing about him um, is that he, he's never changed. He's never changed, man. And, uh, you know, losing him, man, it has been hard, man. Here it is. I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to be strong for folks, you know, and this hit me very hard, man. I was I was devastated. I I, I think I've cried every day. Um, I think I got a breakthrough yesterday while at church, man, that um, I cried so much yesterday. Oh, man. But I could feel that release. Finally, I felt that release and understanding that, you know, he's in a much better place and his his job was his task was completed and done, you know. Uh, but I had the blessing, man, of hiring. So Renard, we grew up together. He's a little bit older than I am, but he was always like a mentor to me while while growing up. Um, he went to Potomac, came out at Potomac in 86. I came out in 91. So, you know, again, he's a little older than me. But when I was a kid, man, as good as I was as a kid, I used to go and watch those Potomac guys play, man. And everybody was so good. Man, he would always come over and he would talk to me all the time, you know. You know, and I'll, I'll never forget, you know, him telling me one time, man, like, you the next, you the next, you the next big thing, boy, you know, little man or whatever, Rob, you're going to be the next, you know what I'm saying? And, right. you know, hearing stuff like that from people like that, that you looked up to, man, you know, that take the time to invest in you when they're, when you're a kid, you know what I mean? Not everybody has to do that, you know? Uh, and then, uh, Going transferring to University of Delaware, when I come in, Renard is leaving, you know, so he played at University of Delaware as well. So I get to chop it up some more, you know what I mean? And he just was, a, he was an everlasting presence in my life. It, that's, you know, when, when you're close to God, you understand, man, that was, that was by design. Yes. You know what I mean? That was by design, bro. And, uh, you know, I'll never forget that, you know, he was a lawyer. He was practicing law at the time. And uh, he was, uh, you know, doing law, but also doing some uh, representation of athletes, you know, being an agent. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and I was coaching, you know, at the time I was the head coach of Friendly. <clears throat> and uh, we talked and he told me how he he, he felt like he – he wanted to get into coaching. He felt like, you know, he wanted a career change. So this is how he went from being a lawyer <laughs> and being an agent right. into coming into education. This right. is how he got into education. He decided to be a, an educator. 
and the coach. So his first coaching um, job was with me at Friendly on my staff. You know, now how ironic it is, his first year and only year, goodness gracious, man, my God, his first year and only year was with me as an assistant. Hit, we won the championship. We was we was the we was the conference champs. We were the regional champs. We lost in the state in 2011. We lost in the state. And the next year, I leave to go to Wise, mm. and and he takes the head coaching job at Potomac. Wow. So I'm, I'm gonna say this, man. Yeah. And he he became a head coach in his second year wow. of ever coaching. Wow. He was brilliant, though, man. He was just you know. Nobody, I mean, he had a great feel for the game, great knowledge. He was a great player. He's a great player coming out of Potomac, man. Another all Mac kid, Division One player coming out of Potomac. Wow. You know, and um, he was just such a great soul, man. Just a super guy, man. Always smiling, always loving, caring. You know, people that know him know that, that crazy, obnoxious laugh of his. You know what I mean? That just... You know, no matter what you was going through or was on your mind or circumstance you was in, you forgot about it when you was with him. Absolutely. It was just that type of guy, man, you know, that he inf- he uh, infected everybody, man, affected everybody. You know, you couldn't be in his presence and not leave and say, man, that's a good dude. That's a good guy right there. You know what I mean? Yeah, and so uh, he meant so much—not just to me, man. Obviously, I'm being selfish, you know what I mean. But he meant so much to a lot of people, though. So that's why a lot of people have been hurting. That whole Potomac community, Potomac Nation—you yeah. know—we're all one over there, man. We're all family. Don't matter when you came out over there in that Potomac community, man. You know, we all know each other. We all love each other. We all celebrate and we all grieve all together. You know what I mean? And so. It's been hard for a lot of us, man. But, you know, when you think about what he's done and how many people, man, he's put seeds into, man. And, and you know, man, my goodness, we're going to celebrate, bro. This, this, this homegoing is going to be a celebration, man. Absolutely. Man, good stuff. Uh, couldn't thank you no more uh, for being on this Uh you know, on my platform, and, 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 and the reason why I started it was because of people, you know, like Renard Johnson and yourself and the people that couldn't get on a major scale, but contribute to society and, you know, good men and good women and different things that your story needed to be heard. And, and I didn't know you told me that. I, I always looked up to you, whether you know it or but a lot of and is people are watching. When you don't talk to people, they still see you. I, I've been watching you for a long time, and you know, always honored the way you you carried yourself. You know, on and off the court, been spectacular. And like I said, I couldn't thank you thank you no more than what I'm saying now, man. I really appreciate you coming on this uh, platform, Mr. Rob Gardner. Before you go, before you uh, go and leave this platform, 
any words of inspiration that you can give to not just artists, but parents uh, that that you know struggle with you know they might don't know what school they want their kid to go to. And I'm not just talking about college. I'm talking about high school, uh, different things that uh, aspiring coaches that like myself that want to coach and, and get into the the field of helping people is. Last words of inspiration for all. Well, first, man, let me just say, man, God bless you, Mr. Tyler, right? Because at the end of the day, man, your platform is doing a service as well. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, sometimes, man, we get discouraged or, you know, we don't think that, you know, that, uh, that the platform that we're on is doing the service that it needs to, man, but it is. You know what I mean? And uh, that's one of the reasons why I agreed to do it, which was, you know, um, I want to always be able to help the next man. You know what I mean? Because life is about giving, man. You know what I mean? And the more that you give, you know, the more that you will receive. You know what I mean? And that's the blessing of life, man. How much do you give? You know, and God bless you, man, for your podcast. I'm praying, man, that God will use you and continue to use you, you know, to be able to get the message out and ask questions and get people to be able to 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 answer and and maybe through your podcast help somebody that's that's watching along the way. You know what I mean? And and that's that's how God does it, man. You know what I mean? And I'm I'm praying that He's going to give you. You know, everything that your heart desires, man, you know, and my message for the for anybody that's looking now would be. Don't ever be afraid to try, man. Mm-hmm. No, don't ever be afraid to try. Like, don't let fear, you know, get in the way of a of a step forward or a thought process that you have or something that you have in your heart. You know, because, you know, there's something great in all of us, you know, and so we've all have a great seed in us that needs to be watered and it needs to grow. You know what I'm saying? And if we do that for each other, man, then, you know, how can we be, how can we not be great at what we do? You know what I'm saying? Be great. Be great at it, man. Like, the end of the day, I got a small number. If if I do a podcast, man, and only five people come up to my podcast, I'm going to be great. You know what I'm saying? If, if I only coach a certain amount of such and such, hey, man, I'm going to be great. It don't it don't matter. You know, uh, you know, my thing has always been to try to motivate people to be the best versions of themselves and to, to learn. In order to do that, you have to give way more of yourself. Greatness ain't about taking. Like, I'm going to take everything from you to be great. Greatness is about giving. The more I give, the greater I can be. Absolutely. Thank you, brother. Thank you, man. I'm going to let you get on up out of here. Get back with your family. Uh, I will be in touch. Hopefully, you let us come and uh, interview some of the kids before the season, after the season, during the season. And 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 I will be in touch. I appreciate you. My brother, I want you to come on this platform, man. Stay blessed, stay strong, keep your head up. Yes, sir. Talk later. Yes, sir, brother. Love you, man. Thank you. Love you too, Mr. Rob Goddard. Yeah.
Thank <laughs> you.